Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is what's your level of commitment? There seems to be a current flowing in society today, a river of complacency when it comes to responding to one another. I thought it was just in my own personal world. I thought that friends and family had become so busy that they didn't take time to respond to me, whether it was via phone, email, text, or Facebook. And then it happened. My 30-year-old daughter called me and said, Mom, what's happening to me? No one will respond to me. I call and leave messages. I text message others. I email them nothing. No response. What in the world is going on? Perhaps you are seeing this in your own personal world. As I've tried to discover what it is that's eating up all of our time, I'm finding the same things over and over. The more that we have capabilities to do more and connect more, the less we're able to do more and connect more. For example, It was recently one of my friend's son's birthdays. Their family had sporting events all day long, so he was not able to celebrate unless he did it at the sporting event that day. People are inundated with their jobs, church events, school events, sporting events. And with the rise of reality TV, more people are working on updating homes and cooking like famous chefs. Every time I ask people what's making them so busy, they say they are overcommitted. Obviously, people haven't remained committed to their ideas of responding to others in a prompt and reasonable fashion. It isn't just a response to one another that's troubling me. It's the lack of commitment in today's jobs, in today's marriages and families, in today's churches, and in today's society. Sure, we just watched the Republicans be committed to their party with strong words and agendas that have offended, and certainly we've watched the Democrats unfolding how they are committed to society through their marches, complaining, and a little crying over the loss of the election. But there are still areas where people say they're committed, but as I watch those around me, I'm just not seeing it. I had to sit down and review my own life, my own schedule, and my own actions and ask myself, Kathy Weckworth, How are you doing in this area? Am I responding to people when they ask me to speak or play piano for an event? Or am I sitting on my responses because other things have bogged me down? When friends or family need advice, am I too busy to take time to help them? I asked myself, what's my response level and how quickly do I respond to someone else? And then I asked myself this, why does it feel so awful? When people don't respond quickly, or worse yet, never respond. As I researched, I found some interesting facts. We expect someone to acknowledge us, says Pamela Rutledge, director of the Media Psychology Research Center. There's a lot of social anxiety that comes along with no email responses because no one wants to be disrespected or wants to be ignored. End of quote. Ah, and there it is, right there, rejection. When people don't respond to us, we feel rejected. And here are some more facts about a lack of commitment in responding to one another. Researchers looked at 16 billion email exchanged by 2 million users over several months to see how long people took to reply and the length of their response. 
Here's some fun finds. You ready? Number one, if people are going to respond to an email, 90% will do it within a few days. Half fire off a response in under an hour. Number two, teens reply the fastest, shooting back a response in 13 minutes. The next one, people aged 20 to 35 are almost as speedy, sending a reply in 16 minutes on average. And then it takes people ages 35 to 50 24 minutes to reply. Okay, well, wouldn't it be great if people were really doing this? Women take four minutes longer than men to send a reply. Responses on the weekends are the shortest. And want a lengthy reply? Make sure your email arrives in the morning. A level of commitment doesn't just stop with responding to phone messages or emails or text messages, but it's about how we fulfill our commitments, or should I say, if we fulfill them. I recently talked to a 30-something friend who was so upset because he had been going to his friend's children's birthday parties for the past 10 years, and that friend didn't reciprocate for his children. Sure, he'd say they'd be there, but when the actual day arrived, they never showed up. I talked to a 40-something friend who runs a ministry. She said that she asked four businessmen and women for a recommendation and waited for one month for a response. No one returned her request. Lately, a board member of a church told me that they were in limbo waiting for someone else to step up to take over since he had served for the past eight years. No one committed to help. A girlfriend called me two weeks ago. She's been married for six years. Her husband doesn't want to help anymore. He doesn't want to try anymore. He's filed for divorce. End of commitment. It's everywhere. It's taking over a lack of commitment. How are you doing in this area? Joining me on today's show to chat about the topic is Best Life staffer, Pastor Louis Schultz. Pastor Louis has served as a pastor of churches in the Twin Cities for over 25 years, and he continually helps me with the radio show and pretty much everything else in life. Louis, thanks for being on the show. I'm so delighted to be with you. Pastor Louis is someone who has led churches in the past and diligently serves your church today. Are you seeing differences in the level of commitment with people volunteering for things and then following through? You know, that's a great question, Kathy. I'm not sure if levels of commitment have changed over the years. I remember going to a workshop in the early 80s talking about how difficult it is to motivate volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that our we wrestle against our human nature and our our desire to want to do good things, but we don't always count the cost. And it was interesting, I had a conversation with one of my daughters about this, and I asked, so have you ever said you'd do something and then not followed through? And she very matter-of-factly said, yes, I do that all the time. Ooh, wow. And I said, well, what, what's going on? She said, well, when I see them face-to-face and they ask me to do something, I find it very easy to say yes. But then when it comes down to it, I find it easy to back out later. Exactly. And yeah. then I compare that with my job where I go and meet people in their homes um, doing energy 
audits and inspections to see if there's a way our company can help them. We set those appointments from a call center in Las Vegas, and we know that out of the appointments that are set, we hope to get into 50% of them. Hmm. So we know as a company that people's commitments to see us, it's a 50-50 shot. So I think that's something about, you know, human nature and, you know, if I'm talking to you, I'm willing to say yes. And that reminds me of Matthew 5.37, where Jesus encouraged us in the Sermon on the Mount to let your yes be yes and your no, no. So obviously that's the goal. He also taught us to count the cost before we make commitments. And so I I think about that, and I've got this team of other people on our sales organization, and we have staff meetings, and I hear about how the sales manager is struggling sometimes to get the salespeople to actually go to the houses they said they would go to. Wow. And so... The, the issue is is probably way deeper and more complex than I could ever figure out, Kathy. Sure. What do you think? Well, I know that for me, working in ministry and talking to churches, they're really struggling with people. Even, for example, Best Life Ministries, we're you know, going to go to a church in the Twin Cities. They're really struggling with getting teams together of women that want to volunteer. Even in my own you know, hometown, I talked to a couple of people from different churches and they're telling me that they're looking for ushers. They're looking for nursery workers. Nobody wants to volunteer. And if they do, that commitment level is so shady that people don't really know if they're going to show up or not. And when I asked my daughter recently about it, you know, does this happen with you? She said, actually, I'm really sensitive about the commitment that I'm making to people because I continually have people committing to me for things that don't follow through. They don't respond. They don't answer. So that's why we're talking about it today. What do you think are the biggest challenges for people today as they're unable to follow through with commitments? And do you think people are desensitized to responsibility follow through? I believe that something is happening in our culture that creates a more difficult situation in motivating volunteers. I remember, because between Pammy and I, as you know, we have 11 children, and when we were in a local church out in Seattle area and training our small children, we used a curriculum by the Ezo family called Growing Kids God's Way. And... We were doing it with other families in the church, thankfully, so it was, you know, kind of a mob rule, <laughs> shared parenting practices that all of the kids in the church knew that they were going to be held accountable to. And we, we tried to teach our kids first-time obedience with a good attitude. So not just doing what they were asked to do, but to do it with a good attitude. And that was a lot of work, frankly. Obviously, with you and your daughter, you worked hard for her to be sensitive to those issues. But I wonder if it starts in the home. Mm -hmm. And um, beyond that, I'm of the ilk, Kathy, that if, if I'm struggling 
motivating people to take action, because it's what I do for a living as well as in ministry, I take responsibility that I have to inspire them. And if it's true that culture has made it harder for people to follow through, then I have to work harder too. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without vision, the people perish. Another translation says they cast off restraint. In other words, they do whatever's right in their own eyes. Well, if I'm passionate about whatever I'm asking them to minister in, whether it's in music or with kids or youth or greeting and ushering or small groups, I have to really do a good job of casting vision for it. Why is it important? Why is this going to make a huge difference? And invite people in to something that's life-changing, that's world-changing. Sure. You know, Rick Warren talks about how he's addicted to change lives. And you and I have both seen that when we did an effective job of casting vision for whatever the project was, mm -hmm. the level of commitment and passionate follow-through were commensurate to that. Okay. And what, I, do you, do you I, agree oh, with that? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. I think that you're so right, because when I'm really excited about a vision with the team and I deliver that and I say, here's what we're going to do for next year, they get excited. If I just kind of deliver it with, okay, how about next year? Nobody is. So I, I totally agree with you. I think that that's a great way to look at it. My dad always said that, you know, people need to be taught how you want to be treated. You treat them that way. Um, and it is an example. So maybe you're right. Maybe part of it is being, you know, a, a better, I don't know, facilitator of the vision that you need. I think about yesterday, I sent out an email. No, it was two days ago um, to some leaders of, of worship, worship leaders saying, hey, what are some songs that are in your church right now that are really grabbing the attention of your congregation? And you know what? One person sent back out of five a response. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that I, I think, oh, is that because maybe they thought somebody else would or they don't feel a connection or they don't feel it's important? Or is it getting hidden in their other 1,000 emails? I don't know. So if I was to ask you, Pastor Louis, about your own personal life on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being awful, and 10 is being... a test? Yeah, it's like a test. A it is. Quiz? Yes, it is. Totally. 10 being you're happily succeeding. You're the best, best ever at you know being responsible. How would you rate yourself in work, in your marriage, in your job, or with God? It's a test. Tick-tock, tick-tock. you got tick, to give them to me one at a time. What's the <laughs> okay. first one? All right. How do you feel you're doing with your walk with God? Um, seven. Okay. How about your marriage? Eight. Ooh. Okay. How about your job? Responsibility? Six. How about helping others? Six. How about being my friend? <laughs> I have to defer that oh, to because me? I can't answer that okay. question. All right. So what are some things that... Yeah, our, yeah. Let me just say, sure. Kathy, to our point earlier about inspiring people right. to do good and, and do things with you and with be passion, yep. you're a great example Aww. of having done that with me in the past. And even your um, email to me 
before the show, Pastor Louie, you become my favorite guest on my show. I know it's something that you probably cut and paste for all the guests. <laughs> I did not. With me. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not sure of your fun, easygoing personality yes. or the fact that I've known you for so many years or that you're a good communicator. Yep. Yesterday, I was reminded of this when my guests were not very responsive. You always have something to say. Yes. Be a good, thought-provoking, or funny. I love that about you, friend. So you cast a vision for me that made me feel important and like what I was going to do during this conversation was going to be a blessing to you, and I wanted to do it. That just gets to the point of, working hard at inspiring people that we want to motivate. Frankly, Kathy, I, I imagine that those worship leaders that got that white, you know, black words on a white screen right. had to juggle it with a million other things. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And I think part of the whole idea with digital media is the impact is different than even a phone call or certainly a face-to-face. -face. What right. do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I totally, totally think you're right. And when we think about Scripture, you've given us a couple of really good verses that you know really fit well into this topic. But what does Scripture tell us about being committed and making our words something that people can trust? Well, it says quite a bit, but it also models quite a bit. When you think about Bible concepts around commitment, you think about the word covenant. And that idea, both with the Jews in the Old Testament and with Jesus' followers in the New, there was this sense of covenant, something very, very meaningful that you chose to enter into and you knew that it might cost you your life. My son-in-law, Holton, is in the Marines, and he made a covenant of sorts with our country to defend it and to do whatever was necessary for him to be equipped so that on the battlefield, when push came to shove, he could do the job of keeping us safe with his the rest of the troops in his company. And... I think the Bible encourages us to take our word very seriously. Colossians 3, you know, talks about whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing your labor is never in vain in the Lord. And I think if we viewed our commitments and we viewed those moments when we said, yes, I will help, as being something that we promised to the Lord, I think it might help us a little bit. It reminds us of the Promise Keepers movement back in the 80s and 90s, where men were challenged in their marriage, in their work at church, in their jobs, to be those kind of men who yes was yes and whose no was no and who could be counted on when the chips were down. And that movement had a very significant impact in my life and the life of my son. So listeners, Webster's Dictionary says that the word commitment means the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity or an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. 
Scripture teaches us about our commitment level to God, and I believe when it starts there, it spreads out to how we treat everything and everyone else from that point. Listen to this verse from Matthew 23, 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That makes me feel like that's a really great commitment. Let's take a moment and listen to this song, I Want to Go Back, by David Dunn. The song talks about David remembering when he was little, what it was like when he committed himself to God, and how life got unraveled. So let's listen, and we'll be back with more from Pastor Louis Schultz. When I was a kid, I was sure I could run across the ocean. Now I was going to be an astronaut But it was you and it was me I had everything I needed Faith could even move a mountaintop And then I grew up And then I got older And my life got tough And we grew apart Just happy that they live next door Uh, It was you, it was me I had everything I needed Your hands were big enough to hold the world And then I grew up And then I got older And my life got tough And we grew
We're back with Pastor Louie. Pastor Louie, I love some of the thoughts that you have for us today about commitment and just thinking about, you know, some of the avenues that you've traveled talking about this subject have made me very happy because you're making me think. What's one thing that you can share with us that will help us as we're working on being more committed? I think as we seek hard after God, Kathy, every day you asked me how I would rate how God and I are doing at this stage in my journey, and it inspires me to do whatever I'm doing and commitments I've made to not just follow through on them, but to be excellent. I think what you said earlier is so important. It really does start with our communion, our fellowship, our love relationship with God, and everything else flows out of that. And when I'm not in touch and I'm feeling like I'm neglecting my spiritual journey, all my other relationships and commitments suffer. I think that is so, so true, and it's that way for me as well. We've got to remember to put God at the center, and I believe that he'll continue to be patient and work with us as we strive to be our best. Thanks so much, Pastor Louis, for being on my show today. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me be there. I have committed to seek God for direction over my personal walk, my ministry journey, and some prayer needs. As I committed to God, I was able to listen to Him speak to me some deep truths about commitment. He revealed to me a passage that I've never even paid attention to before. So listen, in 1 Kings 19, the prophet Elijah is coming to the end of his ministry and is looking for replacement. Here's what Scripture says. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. But what I never paid attention to was this, what Elisha did. Scripture says he had 12 teams of oxen. So I'm married to a farmer. Back then, that was just a really good farmer with a lot of wealth. But in 1 Kings 19.21, we see how Elisha followed his call with complete commitment. Here's what Scripture says. So Elisha left him, meaning Elijah, and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Do you understand what happened? Elisha closed all doors at going back and picking up his plow to farm. He didn't leave an old job behind in case things didn't work out. No, he burned his plow. He's a farmer. He burned the plow. He cooked the cattle. He showed the people of the land. He wasn't just following Elijah. He was doing it with everything he had. In other words, He didn't give himself a way to go back to his old job. He was thoroughly, utterly, completely committed to taking over for Elijah. Such commitment to God did he have that he didn't leave a way to run home if things didn't go well. I've been looking at my levels of commitment in my walk with God, my marriage to Dean, and how I respond to my children. I'm looking at my radio show, my Bible study, my speaking engagements, my friendships, and I'm looking at how I love my mom and how I've walked away from some relationships and expectations where I had a commitment with God, but I left to go back 
to what I had or did before. I walked away and left a way to go back. Where are you today in your walk? Where are you with your level of commitment? Do you fulfill your promises? Do you keep your word? Do you respond to your friends and family? Have you made commitments where you're faltering? Are you dishonoring your vows before God and your family, your friends, your job? Well, I want to be like Elisha, don't you? Where you just walk away from whatever it is and say, I am totally 1,000% committed to this. I am walking through all of the places of my life right now. I'm looking to see where have I let God down? Where have I let other people down? Where have I said I'm going to do something and I never did it? Where do I need to pick up a cloak and get walking? Well, I hope you'll pray about this this week and about your own life and your own commitment levels. I also hope you will pray about your part in life and the world around you this year. I'm pulling the cloak a little tighter. I'm looking for which way to follow God. Will you join me? Here's what scripture says in Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, in a world that continues to break promises, drop the ball, and leave people up in the air, I pray that you will help us to not be like this. I pray that you will encourage us to be people of our word and to keep our commitments. I pray that you will guide us and lead us, and that our hearts will depend on you as you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.